This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Next on Plains FM, we have Movie Talk, a program for all things cinema-esque, for the discerning film and video junkie. Welcome again to Movie Talk. Today we'll be looking at two very interesting films with Oscar nominations. They are Tar and The Whale. We'll also be talking to Nick Paris of the Lumiere Cinemas. You want to dance the mask? You must service the composer. If you're here, then you already know who she is. Lydia Tar is many things. I received another weird email. There's no reason to get caught up in any intrigue. I'm worried. She's starting to disappear into herself. Kate Blanchett has been nominated for a Best Actress Oscar for her portrayal of a proud and egotistical conductor and composer in the simply named film Tar which takes us through her rise and tragic fall. Mary Gibson's been off to the Academy Cinemas to see this multi-level movie. Uh, Mary, I found that this woman could not conduct her own life as well as she did an orchestra. What did you think of Tar? Yeah, Tar's a really interesting movie. Um, I probably wouldn't put it on my top ten list, but I really did like it a lot. And a big part of that is because of Kate Blanchett. Oh, yes. She totally, totally owns the screen um, oh, yes. all well, the way through. Well, she's been nominated for an Oscar for this. And, you know, she's already won two Oscars well, for I'm, this I mean, I love her, so mm. that's that <laughs> no more needs to be said. Yeah. Um, so it's a towering movie. It's two hours and 40 minutes long. It's another yeah. long one. Um, and she looks amazing in a beautifully tailored suit, sort of mad conductor swept back here and quite a lot of long scenes of self-important dialogue, um, you know, kind of lead you into what this story is about. So once you wrap your head around that and become involved and follow it through and learn what the movie's actually actually portraying, then I found it really, really interesting because for me, once I, I kind of got into the psychological aspects of it, I thought, aha, this is like, this is, you know, we've seen a lot of movies, the Harvey Weinstein movie, other movies about sexual harassment in the workplace. This is no different, only it's a woman. <laughs> and because she's a woman, there is almost this level of forgiveness or no, it couldn't possibly happen. However... Well, of course, at that time, there, <clears throat> there were no other female... Uh, conductors of the major supposedly uh, yeah, orchestra, yeah orchestras yeah. around the world that, that, and she became the first in the film in the film, uh, film in the um, film of yeah. the Berlin Philharmonic but that doesn't that doesn't forgive her her behaviour mm. as far as I'm concerned <laughs> no, and that really is for me what the movie's about if you look at the underlying psychological aspects of it that's what it's really about you know that grooming mm. grooming young people to think well if you give me favours, 
I will promote you to conductor or I will promote you to lead cellist or lead violinist or whatever it might be. So you, you need to really look at it in this light, I think. Yes. And, and then you can appreciate the intensity of Kate Blanchett's acting. It's just phenomenal. Yes. Um, the she story, speaks German quite well too. She does indeed. <laughs> it, but the story is really about her rise and her fall. And her fall comes because of her her behaviour outside, out, well, inside and outside of the workplace. Married woman, married uh, her partner. She's she's obviously gay, lesbian. They have an adopted child, but she has no concern for anything other than herself. Yeah, and yeah. that really plays through. Yeah. And you know, these things never end well. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I was a bit puzzled by the film because about how could they make this such a close up film about this person. I wondered whether um, the, the, the woman in the film, uh, that's Lydia Tarr's actual name, um, whether she was still alive or not. <laughs> and it's only then when I was checking this out that it's I found out that she's a fictitious... fictional. Yeah, yeah. Fictitious no, yes, yeah, see, now that's interesting. And uh, that had... I, I wasn't aware of this while I was watching the film, mm. so I took all of this to be actual truth about a real character in a real world. Whereas, I mean, the whole point, the film gives you a look at the entire uh, music world, the entire, the kind of people you get in Mm. there, the of all kinds of various types, and she is the one that takes us around there. And I mean, you get, you get. I mean, I found this from that point of view interesting again because the film starts off with her in an interview. It's, it's about a, um, oh, more than five-minute interview, possibly five or ten-minute interview that goes on, even while the credits are shown at the start. Then you see her sitting there uh, with this man who's interviewing her and telling the whole story of her achievements and what she does and yeah. all of this. But obviously this is information which is intended for the audience. <laughs> yeah, I think, like in a way, I think we're at odds in that. Hands, because I never thought it was a true story. Ah. I thought this is a, a a movie, you know, acting out what happens in real life, shall we say? Mm. And the interesting thing for me is that when they talked a lot about Leonard Bernstein being her icon, he he had his an own his own checkered past around his sexuality, yeah. and then you know the other the other person was um, James Levine, who's mentioned as well, and he was a bu- an abuser in in classic musical classical music circles. So I think that that's really what the movie was about, about. Yes. and referencing all of that in, in these incredibly subtle ways. Yes. And so that's why I say it's deeply psychological, not as in getting your head and twisted around, but just these nuances that come through that that really create those links. And, and it's almost as if you watch it, then you have to step away and think about it. Do, do you know what I mean? Oh, so yes. Certainly. You're, you're yes. engrossed in it for that two hours and 40 minutes and you want to know where it goes and you're so engrossed in her character that you almost lose what this is about. 
And then, as I said, when you step back, you go, ah, oh, that's what it was about. It's yes. that kind of movie. Yeah, and I it think, certainly was for me. <laughs> well, and I think that's, it's the sort of movie that there'll be a lot of discussion because of that. You know, it's not just a let's go Hollywood style and watch this. You know, it's it's a, it's made in Germany, I think, and hugely – it's an international movie. It's not a out-of-Disney movie. So I think it's more <laughs> it's more subtle – but but deeply nuanced at the same time. Yes. Oh, yes, yes, <laughs> certainly quite there. I mean, it's, it's not always easy going, but she's a fascinating to watch. And, I mean, yeah. both as the character she's playing, and it's also just wonderful to watch Kate Blanchett playing these sort of things. She's, oh, brilliant. She's just terrific. She's good so solid good. solid in, yeah. in yeah. these sort of films. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. So, well, okay, well, she's got a chance of getting a third Oscar, oh. Best Actress Oscar here. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely, and um, you know, I would. To- if I was deciding, I would give it to her. Good, thank you. <laughs> that was Mary Gibson with her views on Tar, and I'm Hans Petrovic on Movie Talk on Plains FM ninety six point nine. With me now is Nick Paris of the Lumiere Cinemas with some surprises of what's coming up in 2023. Uh, Nick, the current COVID problem and the availability of new films uh, that can be seen through the internet has definitely affected the cinemas. Um, Now, you've got some film festivals coming up. What else is developing at the Lumiere? Mm. So I think the the signature for 2023 is already happening, and you've had um, battle cries from uh, Sam Mendes in his film Empire of Light. You've had a battle cry from Steven Spielberg in Meet the Fablemans. And also you've had a battle cry from Damien Chazelle of La La Land in uh, Babylon. And all those three directors are all pointing to the love of cinema and, and the, the experiencing of cinema in a, in a darkened room with a bunch of strangers. So that, for me, is the, is the, uh, the, the, the battle call for, for you know, future endeavours. Yeah, that's a good point. I've never associated that. But, of course, they are very much about the cinema. Because we're all tapped Mm. in. We're tapped into the nostalgia. But also things change. And I feel that... um, you know, this is this is this is serious stuff. You know, uh, people's habits have changed post COVID. Um, obviously, drawing to streaming services, and 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 that's here to stay. Just like you know, music um, by buying your music at, at either a record store or going to Spotify, we've got to adapt and change anyway. But um, um, so, with that in mind, what's in store for twenty twenty three in the Lumiere is definitely a. Um, a disciplined environment and lots more classic reissues. From my perspective, yeah. is revisiting these films for a younger demographic. The, uh, some of the older classics. Correct. You're talking about. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And mm. I'm very convinced that when the, the demographic of 20 to 40 are, uh, are they've done their penance and you know working you know, their arse off for, for seven days a week, are all <laughs> going to come back to the cinema um, at that, that age group. So whatever I do now in introducing them to cinema 
is is going to pay off later on. So it's about maintaining and pres- preserving and protecting that nostalgia for cinema for that 30, 40 plus age. Yeah. So what sort? Which film? Have you got any specific films in mind or kind um, of films? Uh, well, I, I mean, you know, the seventies was was a glamour decade for film. Uh, yeah. It was unbridled liberty, to be honest. And uh, I always look to the seventies as being. The, the very basis and foundation of great cinema. Uh, but to be honest, um, because I'm older, um, everything's skewing older, um, the 80s and the 90s come into play as well. So it's all about honouring that decade uh, or those decades as well. Um, and when these baby boomers have, have done their penance with you know growing up kids and stuff and they've got discerning income, the kids have left, then we strike. So I've, we've got to harmonise and, and keep people involved and coming into a darkened room with a bunch of strangers and watching watching cinema. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's it's I, I, I still to me the only well, it's been like this all my life. The only way to see a film is in to sit in a cinema and watch that on a big screen in the darkness of that room, which is not like well, watching it on an aeroplane yeah, where you get I'd, interrupted with the with the, the food that they. I'd, I'd probably all this sort of yeah. So you've got people in showers watching, you know, their favourite web series. You've got people on airplanes watching, you know, uh, catch ups of TV shows and classics. Um, it's not the only way now, but um, in terms of discipline, in terms of getting the most out of cinema and all the emotions, sight, sound, smell, uh, cinema, uh, or uh, the discipline environment of a cinema is the only way to go to get the mm. most out of something yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah, and of course the COVID. Um Lockdown has hurt the cinemas too. Yeah, those tentacles are still able to go to the cinema. You know, so well every day I meet um, people that are COVID anxious and still worried about sitting next to people they don't know without a mask. Um, And and a lot of them are you know compromised by medical conditions and whatnot. So I totally get that, Uh, and that will change um, until the next pandemic. But (laughs) (laughs) you know, I. I, yeah, I, I think cinema. But are still you got finding there are more people going back to the cinema now? Well, you got to look at the box up. office. I mean, you know, Avatar took what was it, eighteen million? I think, and it's been the, the biggest box office success of all time. Wow, has uh, it? But that's yeah. one film. Yeah. We don't have enough of those avatars in in the system at the moment, and that's because the, the production of films were, uh, you know, they were affected by COVID 18 months ago when those productions should have started. So yeah. there's a bit of a dearth of supply. Yeah, well, this is it. I mean, at the cinemas, you, it's basically Hollywood stopped making movies or very few each year. There'd only be a handful of films yeah. came out. Yeah, and that was inevitable. So for, yes, of course. And they just couldn't work under those conditions. And, uh, and of course, this has affected you, particularly the art house cinemas, um, you, I, I've seen more films from other countries around the world, from North Africa, from Scandinavia, from South America, all sorts of places. Amazing films which normally would never get to New Zealand. And yeah. this, has, this has, I found this really interesting and exciting sometimes. Uh, yeah, yeah. But there's, lo- there's lots to look forward to. I can feel uh, there's a lot of pushback worldwide from distributors and you know uh, organisations around the world to actually have their film up front and centre for a few weeks in a cinema. Um, yeah. yeah, And that's that's that, that's proven from the likes of Netflix who are putting knives out there before um, <laughs> they release you know on the net um, and and other films, Apple TV and whatnot. 
So yeah, yeah. There's 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 a settling period into the new normal. I don't know quite what that new normal is, but I know that uh, we still have the magic ingredient, um, and we've got we can't rest on our laurels. Um, and I don't want to get stupid about that. You know, I mean, cinemas, uh, you know, overseas have got into this full dining experience and stuff, which I don't agree with. But um, at least they're doing something than nothing um, uh, in terms of attracting people back to cinema. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. Oh, one other thing, a question I just like to ask mm-hmm. at the moment. Um, this, I mean, we are, another time has changed now with Lang Masters having sold the. Hollywood cinema down at um, mm. down at Sumner because I mean he to me always reflected cinemas in Christchurch. That was him. He was the man who set up those early cinemas. Here well, he's passed the, the baton. You know, he this. he rescued a lot of suburban cinemas from the threat of TV. You know, they were all floundering. All those locations. Uh, you know, Papanui. Um, St Albans, oh, yeah. Brighton, they were all floundering. And then he thought, no, I'm, to hell with this. He, he still feels that same passion, that magic ingredient of watching yeah. a film in a, in, a, in a darkened room with a bunch oh, of strangers. So he, he saw through that. So And we, we will see through this as well. Um, so it's a continuation of his efforts um, that's going to keep the, the whole fight. system going. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Mm, yeah. Okay, well, thank you very much. It's... Um, uh, thank you for coming in, and uh, no, and I'm quite sure there's a few things I want to catch up with at the, yeah, yeah. At the moment anyway. Yeah, watch okay. the space. Thank you. That was Nick Paris with news from the Lumiere Cinemas, and I'm Hans Petrovic on Plains FM 96.9. I also thank the show's sponsor... The Harcourt's Grenadier Accommodation Centre, which is now located at 98 Morehouse Avenue. If you're looking for a place to live, check out the Harcourt's Accommodation Centre website. That's assetmanagers.co.nz. That address again, assetmanagers.co.nz. You're an amazing person, Ellie. I couldn't ask for a more incredible daughter. Are you actually trying to parent me right now? Who would want me to be a part of their life? You don't stay in touch with mom? She really only tells me things about you. Why? Because that's all I want to know about. Why'd you gain all that weight? Someone close to me passed away, and it had an effect on me. You haven't seen her since she was eight years old, and you're going to reconnect with her? Sorry. I don't like this. This isn't a good idea. I'm sorry. You say you're sorry one more time. I will shove a knife right into you. I swear to God. Go ahead. What's it going to do? My internal organs are two feet in at least. In The Whale, which has been nominated for three Oscars, Brendan Fraser plays an extremely obese man who attempts to reconnect with his estranged teenage daughter. Carolyn Brown's been off to the Lumiere cinemas to see this rather offbeat movie. Uh, Carolyn, this man seems to be in the throes of deliberate suicide, and that is why he eats too much. What did you think of The Whale? Uh, I think this film is is not about obesity at all. It's about human emotion and sadness and depression and everything else. And and Brennan Fraser really gets that across, um, no matter what his size is. His size is part of his character. But, yeah, yeah it's a beautiful film. 
I think. It's, yes, yeah. it's not, I mean, it's, it's, it's based on a stage play. Yes, and, and that is something to take note of. It's mm. not the same as a movie in terms of um, some of the things, that, the stilted conversation sometimes. I mean, it's, it's been written for a play that's done at, one take, not a movie which in which yeah. you get millions yeah. of takes. No, I mean it's essentially yeah. all set in one in one room, yeah. One room. Yeah. And and the the total cast is only about half a dozen. Yeah, four and people. Five people. Five people I think it is yeah. come in and see him and, and all this sort of in and out in and yeah. out. Yeah. And you learn more and more about him and why he is the way he is as the film goes on and his daughter as well. It's just yeah. I mean half the audience were crying at the end of when we saw it, including me. Yeah, he he just really gets to you. Brendan Fraser, he's up for Best Actor and he totally deserves it. He's just, the amount of emotion that he portrays in this film is amazing. Yeah. It's, oh no, it, um, yeah, I mean, all all the different characters are quite sort of, a little bit eccentric in their own ways. They are, they're very deliberate, yeah. Um, Yeah, you've got this uh, other young fellow uh, who keeps coming in, that's Thomas, and he's a sort of a religious missionary from some Christian cult, and he wants to um, uh, save um, Charlie's soul, the old man, yeah. um, before he dies, you know, and this sort of thing. And then you sort of wonder, what's this fellow about? Yeah, I mean, it, it is... It... I don't think in real life this situation would happen. It's not a real life kind of a situation. The, yeah. the characters are very deliberately made and created, each to have their own faults and and agendas and everything else. And you yes. see that, yes. and it grows. And it's definitely a film that you'll talk about afterwards. Yeah, um, but it does it get you in with it though. It does very slowly. Yeah, you're very yeah. closely up to the with them all in in this film when, yeah. while you're watching it. And I mean. Um, the, the 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 main actor in this uh, this is um, Brendan Fraser. I mean, he's quite amazing because I just kept on wondering for the whole film, um, is this fellow really this big? Yeah, is the prosthetics really, are amazing. Is he yeah. really that fat? But if if he was that fat, they couldn't have these scenes in him eating all this food. No, no. And, and, and as I said, it's a film about choice. It's not a film about obesity and 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 whether or not this is how other people is is obese or him is him live. I don't know. It's not about that. It's about um, yeah the choices we make and the reasons why we do things. As you said at the beginning, he seems to be deliberately committing suicide through eating, and you find out in the film why that is possibly why he's decided to do this. And it's just, yeah. Yeah. It's just, I I really, really, um, as I said, you've got to take it. I mean, I've read other critics about it saying, oh, it's very stilted, oh, the dialogue's very stilted. But I think they've written from the perspective of seeing this as a movie as opposed to seeing it as a play. Yeah, it's a stage play. Yeah, Yeah. it is Mm. a stage play. And Mm. in a play, you get that stiltedness. Yeah, yes. Yeah, those monologues Mm. and everything else. Yeah. 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 And, and, I mean, Fraser, I mean, it's, it's a remarkable sort of fat suit that they've managed to get him into. Well, he, he essentially, he's supposed to, in the film to weigh 600 pounds. Yeah, yeah. And uh, which would be about double his normal weight. 
Yeah. And I just wondered, is this fellow really this fat or not, you know? But um, so to, but to get that effect, they have to put on quite a heavy, big outfit onto him. Yeah, it's, it's attached a, to him, yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, lots of it is also done in other ways. Uh, you yeah, know. but that's not a reason to go see the film to see a fat, naked man on screen. It's, <laughs> it's not a reason to see this film. It, it is really about the emotion and, um, yeah, in people's lives. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and, I, and I thought his uh, daughter, that's uh, she, Ellie in the film, uh, played by Sadie Sink, and she's rather good too. I was rather surprised. She's actually a 20-year-old actress, but she's playing a younger teenage girl. Yeah. But the way she talks and swears and... Uh, yeah, well, she's you pretty... Know, she's rather remarkable. She for, is, and she's fresh out of person. Stranger Things in which she played a teenage in a supernatural world. So mm-hmm. she's very used to dealing with drama as an actress and she and angry young teenagers and and just dealing with what she's dealing with. And so, yeah, she's a really good choice for this film as well. In fact, and the other side, um, the actress in this film, she is amazing too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the, the one who got the Oscar. Oh, no, no, no nomination. No. Nomination, yeah, previously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she's, um, I've forgotten her name, sorry, unfortunately, <laughs> at the moment, but she plays the um, the nurse and the sister of her, his partner. And, yeah. yeah, and she is definitely, she's, she's one person in the film who seems to know what she's doing. Yeah, and she almost <laughs> provides the comic <laughs> relief that you need. Yeah, but, but she also cares. She does, very much, yeah. There. yeah. And, uh, so, and uh, that is the feeling that I come away with from that film, though, because you get to know these films better, these characters yeah, better and absolutely. better, closer up. Yeah, yeah. go see Good it. Stuff. Good. Okay. was Carolyn Brown with her views on The Whale. And I'm Hans Petrovic inviting you to listen to Movie Talk again on Plains FM 96.9 at midday next Wednesday. This program will also be repeated at midday on Saturday. And you can listen to podcasts of earlier episodes on the Plains FM website. That's plainsfm.org.nz. (laughs) 